people who are listening and have a nine to five, you know, don't feel like you have to quit or become a full-time real estate investor to be a real estate investor. You can definitely do it part-time. You can do it whenever you have time because it really depends on your strategy. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, it's Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is Danielle Unsworth, who went from zero to 100 plus properties in just three years. And uh, you can hear about her journey and how she was able to do it. Uh, and also out of Canada, some stuff is actually out of the country. So um, you'll have to tune in to hear about where she is also investing. And uh, so it was a great podcast, lots of great insights. Uh, I definitely think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, but before we do that, let's hear from Dahlia Barsoom at Streetwise Mortgages on this week's tip of the week. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. Spring has sprung, and we're starting to see purchase activity come back to the market. In fact, we're starting to see multiple offers all over again in some markets. On that note, I wanted to share with you a tip about amortization, because as you arrange for a mortgage, amortization obviously is going to have a big impact on your ability to pay that mortgage fast or slower, as well as on your cash flow. Here's something about amortizations that many clients don't know about. On the residential side, meaning one, two, four unit properties, rental properties, including sometimes five or six unit rental properties, clients assume that they can qualify for 30 year amortization. On the multi-family front, clients assume that they can get a 15-year amortization with CNC. Both of these things are true. They are options that are available to you. However, amortization is bound by what's called the economic life of the property. Think about it this way. If you're going to lend money on a property, you want to make sure that that property is going to outlive the loan. So if a lender is giving you a loan at a 30-year amortization, they want to make sure that that property is going to outlive that 30-year by at least five years. The economic life is something that the appraisers talk about in the appraisal report. And the age of the property, as well as its condition, influence that number. I've seen sometimes amortizations come below what's expected. However, going back to the appraiser with context around what the property is all about, any work you've done on it can sometimes help the situation. And I've seen appraisers reconsider the economic life with proper context because a lot of things can really go wrong based on assumptions and clarification Communication and context are everything. So keep that in mind. Now, if you're going to select amortization, assuming the economic life is there, I invite you to consider the longest amortization that is possible. So on a residential property, go for a 30 years. If you are qualifying with a B lender, take the 35 year or the 40 year. 
On the commercial side, multifamily side, if you're applying for a CMHC mortgage and the property qualifies, take the extended amortization. Why? Because an extended amortization is going to offer you breathing room. It will help your cash flow, especially in these markets we're in right now. Give yourself choices. You can always control what's called the effective amortization on a mortgage through the prepayment privileges. So let's take a 30-year AM mortgage. If you were to go with a bi-weekly accelerated payment, you can cut off about four years of the life of that mortgage. You can cut that down to about 26 years. What you will see in the market is that some lenders are going to offer you discounted rates on shorter amortizations. Don't be tempted to just look at the rate. Look at the big picture. Yes, you're going to get a more expensive rate taking that 30 year. But if you go to a rate calculator and run them out, you will see that your cash flow is going to be better as a result of the extended amortization despite the higher interest rate. And then you can choose how fast or slow you want to go. To support investors who are currently purchasing properties, we are offering a fantastic promotion, not just in Ontario, but across many other provinces, including Alberta, British Columbia, Nova Scotia, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, and New Brunswick. And here is what it is. If you are buying a residential property of one to four years, and you are submitting an offer to us within the next 90 days, regardless of the closing date, then we are happy to cover all of your legal fees, excluding disbursements, if you're buying something at $700,000 or more. And we would cover half of your legal fees, excluding disbursements, if you're buying something at $500,000 or more. If you are in the market for a monthly family property, whether you're purchasing or refinancing, then we are giving back $5,000 cash back for loan amounts above a million dollars. Again, if you submit your deal to us within the next 90 days, regardless of the closing date, we are here to support you. We're happy to answer any of your questions. If you would like to utilize these promotions, email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com and use the code cover my legal fees. Awesome, Dahlia. Thank you so much. Some great info. And guys, mark your calendars, June 12th. It's a Monday at two and uh, we're going to be doing a golf tournament in the Hamilton area. So if you are interested, reach out to me either on Instagram, which is at investor Sarah Larby. That is my only Instagram, not these crazy other scammers that are out there. I swear like Instagram's annoying with the stuff. So it's just at investor Sarah Larby, uh, no underscore anything else like that. Um, or you can send me an email, Sarah at sarahlarby.com. If you are interested in coming out for a golf tournament, that is going to be our last event that we are doing until the fall. So on that note, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast and uh, come on out and uh, let's meet in person. Danielle Unsworth, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. We've connected, I think, many times, uh, likely at different events, but also on Instagram. Uh, I love all of your 
your posts and your stories. And I'm like, I've got to have her on. You know, it's been a while that we've connected and uh, I, I want everyone to hear your story and, and all the amazing things that you're doing. So I'm really excited, uh, you know, to have you on today. Um, you know, and, you know, I know a little bit about you, but for many people that may not, a lot of listeners, uh, maybe just give us a 30,000 foot view. Sure. Yes. So I started investing in real estate a long time ago, actually in 2009, but I didn't know that's what I was doing. Um, and I didn't realize that that's what I was doing until about 2019 when I joined like the social media world. And, and, uh, that's kind of how I, you know, integrated into this community. I bought my first property when I was 24, didn't know what I was doing. It was a huge disaster. We can talk about that maybe uh, later. And then I kind of learned how to refinance by accident. And that's when I kind of saw the magic of real estate. And after that, I just kind of went slow and steady by myself. I refinanced every three, four years and then bought another property. And I did that on my own for about 10 years, me and my husband. And then when the pandemic hit, I had to sort of force myself to like be online, be on social media. And then I was able to connect with so many amazing people and other investors. And it really opened up this whole new community to me. Um, and that's when I got my, you know, first real estate investing coach. And then I realized, oh, my God, I've been investing this whole time and I had no idea. Um, and that's kind of when I, you know, educated myself and I wanted to share my journey because I wanted to show other uh, people, beginners and especially women that, you know, you can start off by accident, not knowing what you do. But when you really do commit and take that, you know, step and decide that you're going to be investing in real estate, like so many opportunities can come just from that one decision. And so that's kind of how I grew my portfolio from four properties in 10 years to like over 100 in the last three years with like amazing partners uh, and this crazy uh, supportive community that we have, you know. That's so, awesome. yeah, that's my journey so far. It's like a lot of information, but yes. But it's like a snowball, right? And and I mean, I feel like the same thing almost happened for me as well as like you start slow, you learn. And then just at some point, you know, like that snowball just gets a lot bigger because you've unlocked sometimes the strategic financing opportunities or, you know, you're you're doing different strategies. Um, and, and I think that's that's really cool. And I think that it's also, you know, this is this is a slow game. And I like that you've been around for 10 years as well, because. Um, you know, there is some value in staying power. And I think there's some value in like wealth being created in the long term. And I think that's very, very important. It's not a get rich quick thing. Um, you know, it's not going to happen in, in two years, but it definitely happens in, in many years. Um, so when you started with the four properties over 10 years, like were those buy and holds? Were you landlords? Like just like with a long term tenant, is that what you were doing? Or are you moving houses? Like what was your actual strategy then? Yeah, so I, I didn't have a strategy. I really didn't know what I was doing. I, I bought my first home because I needed somewhere to live when I went to school and I didn't want to pay rent. So that's kind of how I bought that first property. Um, and I, I was a waitress at the time. I was a full time waitress. It was a nightmare getting financing. Um, you know, I was I had like literally like cash tip money trying to buy his house. It was like I just didn't know what I was doing, but I had a really great um mortgage advisor and he helped me through it. I had to get a B lender. I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but that's what it was. Um, and I bought that first property. And then a few years later, um, my husband 
my husband now, well, my boyfriend at the time, we wanted to move in together. So then we bought something together and then we rented that first one. So that's kind of how it started. And then after we wanted to, you know, upgrade our home, we ended up renting that second home and then bought a third one. And every time we did that, we would just refinance and use that equity. And that's really how I, I ended up with the four properties and became a landlord, accidental real estate investor. And I really like, I wasn't even doing a cash flow analysis or anything like that. It's just because we bought it at, you know, a really decent price because it was for us to live in. So we didn't really look at it strategically, but the numbers always ended up working out because the market was starting to go up and the rents were going up at the same time. And we would always buy in like a or B plus neighborhoods because we would be living in them, right? So we always had amazing tenants and we just kind of like trial and error the whole thing uh, for 10 years. And that's kind of how uh, we ended up with a little portfolio of four units. Uh, and then everything just changed after 2020. Cool. And I, and I think it is really interesting because you know, you, you were making it work and you didn't know what you were doing. But I, mm -hmm. I want to go back to it's time in the market because you were probably living in it. I'm going to guess for a couple of years, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more. And then, um, you know, because of what was happening with the fundamentals and you maybe don't didn't, didn't look at the fundamentals back then. And, um, you know, people were coming into the country. Um, things were just happening. And it was and I think you're in Ottawa, correct? Yes. That's yeah. Right. Or like Ottawa's, you know, last 10 years has, I mean, along with many, many places in Ontario, you almost happen to be in the right place at the right time. But from a fundamental standpoint, it was probably the best area, um, you know, one of the top 10, I would say, probably in Canada to invest in and you happen to be there. So um, that really worked out. And because you were buying, you know, properties that you were living in, you're likely getting an A plus tenant that like wants the same school zones that maybe is going to buy their house, right? These are likely not going to be, you know, the C neighborhoods where there's going to be renters and it's going to be predominantly renters. They're going to stay renters. These are likely going to become homeowners. So um, you actually did a, a very great thing. And then, and then, so the pandemic happened and like, was there something that happened with like, your job or like where like you're like I want to like learn about this and like snowball it yes so that I, it's so crazy in 2020 or 2019 end of 2019 is when I discovered don't laugh at me but I discovered podcasts okay <laughs> I didn't know anything about them but I was literally like in my own world so I started listening to podcasts in at the end of 2020 and that's when I uh, started listening to um Erwin Cito's podcast and it just kind of like really like my mind just exploded. I'm like, oh my God, there are all these people doing all these amazing things with real estate. I have a few properties. Maybe I can do more with them. And I started just reading more books and listening to more podcasts. And he had a guest on, on the podcast that she was um, duplexing her properties. And then I remember thinking, I have one that's very similar to what she was describing. And then I envisioned doing it to that one property and I'm like why can't I duplex that one and then have two units instead of the you know and that's kind of how it snowballed and she ended up being my first coach uh, I reached out to her and then we connected and that's kind of what just clicked it's the podcast and seeing other people doing things um, that are possible because if you're not surrounded by people who are doing those things just listening to other people still helps, you know, because 
there's no one to talk to in your circle if nobody is doing that kind of, you know, um, investing, right? So if you start listening to podcasts, you're like, there's this whole other world that you can really be exposed to and leverage. And that's kind of what happened with me. My job was fine. Um, at that time, like it was, um, I, I just, I wasn't thinking that I was going to want more, but I think after a while, you just realize there is so much more, you know, you, even with a nine to five, I'm, I'm able to do so many things. It's really how you maximize your time and how you prioritize things. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened when it's the podcast. They just like, you know, they set me off into this whole other world. Amazing. Well, people listening to this, they're already doing the right thing. But I, I will say it's not even just the podcast, but it's the podcasts that are Canadianized content if you're going to be investing in Canada. Because, yes. you know, I yes. listened to a lot of American podcasts when I first was getting started. And I didn't even know how different things were. Like, yes, the strategies mm -hmm. can be similar, but like the numbers, the financing, the taxes, the the legal stuff, it's like it's quite different. So um, I think the Canadian content really helps if the plan is to to invest in Canada. So are you still working full time right now? I am. So I have this amazing job and I I'm not ready to let go. Um, I, I think a lot of people don't actually know, even though I, I share it often. Um, so I work in the international adoptions uh, unit and it is a very special job for me because it's just it's very fulfilling. And I really enjoy helping families um, grow their families. And so I feel like I'm so privileged to have a job where I help families grow and then another job with real estate where I help families have quality like homes to live in, right? Cool. So for me at this point in my life, I feel like I'm just blessed to have both. And if one day I know that, you know, I may, you know, maybe switch part time or, you know, figure out what's best for me. But I feel like right now I'm, I'm just not quite ready to leave just yet. And um, it's just... Yeah. That's you awesome. don't have to. That's the thing, right? You don't. That's the beauty with real estate investing. If you delegate and automate a lot of the, the things, which I learned how to do in the last two years, you don't really need to be like hands on. You just need to make the decision. So a lot of time I, I do a lot of my work by email, you know, like my property manager will email things and then I make the decision. I approve things. I send it off and like, that's it, you know? And so I feel like People who are listening and have a nine to five, you know, don't feel like you have to quit or become a full time real estate investor to be a real estate investor. You can definitely do it part time. You can do it whenever you have time because it really depends on your strategy. So for me, I don't really do any Airbnbs because I know that's going to require a lot more time and effort. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my strategies are, um, you know, long term tenants um, or I'm a passive investor. And then the active investors will, you know, they're full time and they're going to be managing the properties. And I still get to benefit from that partnership. So really, there's so many different ways to to leverage that time and and your capital. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey US real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website usproperties.ca for more information. I'm, and I'm glad you brought this up too, because like 
you know, there are many people that probably love their jobs. And, you know, and I had a real, I had a really good job myself and I probably could have left a little bit earlier, but I, you know, I had to do what was right for my amazing boss at the time who had mm. some time off to take care of his wife. So I was not going to leave them high and dry. And, um, you know, at some point though, like, you know, when he came back and got back into the swing of things, you know, work was getting in the way of, of what I could do. And then there's going to be that time where you make the decision, but you know, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. I mean, look, if, if you don't like your job, sure, you know, make the change happen yes. faster. But I was investing personally myself seven years before I made the leap to, you know, to do this full time. And I think a lot of doors open up. But I want to go back to what you said, because that was really interesting, is there's lots of different strategies. There's going to be mm -hmm. some that are going to be more passive than others. And if you do want to keep your job or if your job is demanding, maybe pick something that is a little bit more passive. Like you mentioned, your passive joint venture partner in some projects. You do long-term rentals in some projects rather than the short-term or the midterm that will require a little bit more hands-on. And I like that you said delegation. So let's talk about delegation and processes. Like what are some things that you currently are delegating out or, you know, taking off your plate and kind of just overseeing and managing? Oh my gosh, Sarah, honestly, I was doing everything myself up to about last year. Um, I was like my own bookkeeper, my marketing, you know, officer. I was tenant screening. I was doing everything. So now after reading like who, not how, and also getting a coach and helping me, you know, systemize things, I barely do anything anymore, to be honest. I only make decisions and I have like the vision. And then it's like having like mini hands everywhere and helping me implement that vision. So I have... Um, two VAs. Um, they help me with like my email marketing, uh, my bookkeeping, um, presentations. I host a lot of free workshops because I love sharing information and I love teaching. And those presentations are, are created by uh, my VAs. We go over like the templates, the ideas, and then like they put together this, these beautiful presentations. Um, I have a property manager. Um, so I, like you know, if there's an issue, he sends me emails. I say yes, no. And, you know, and yeah, so pretty much almost everything. I have a social media manager now that helps me with ideas and editing and like putting in the captions and all of that stuff. But I really appreciate all those things because I actually did them all myself. So I know what's involved and what it takes to make it work. So when we, you know, have meetings, it, they're much more productive because I already know like the behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's really important to delegate, but to be able to delegate effectively, you also have had to have some experience doing that job yourself, right? So it's like the, I always use this analogy. It's like a, a manager at a restaurant. I used to work at a um, corporation and everything was run a certain way. And the manager had to know every position of that restaurant before becoming a manager. And I feel like that's kind of what you have to do as a real estate investor. You have to know a little bit of everything so that you're able to delegate effectively. And so, yeah, so I barely have to do any of that now. I just want to, I just make sure everything runs smoothly and I, I approve things. And it's the best, honestly, even like, I think we, you and I talked about even delegating meals, you know, like I have a friend, she loves to cook. so. Guess what? Like, that's what I'm delegating to her, you know, because it makes her so happy to make these delicious meals. And uh, I love eating her meals. So she's going to, you know, just enjoy making them for me. And I feel like that's really the key is finding people that enjoy doing those things. And then you just, you know, help them like 
do what they enjoy best. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it would be helpful for like anybody listening to this, just like look at your calendar, look at like your last like four weeks, you know, and then look at the things that you either um, did that you didn't enjoy or that you're not good at and figure out like who can you delegate something to. And I'll tell you even just like, and I've had a chef for so long and now I'm like doing like, I probably I have have like three chefs I'm actually in rotation with because oh, I love that so much because <laughs> I'll t- actually probably four because there's one cottage one that I that I go to uh, and then I have three actually at my primary and I'll tell you the reason is I know this sounds like horrible to say but like no matter what your setup is you are going to get sick of that whatever whatever that is so you're like so I found for us this that we have to rotate between like three different options and then maybe like a week off because because there's no perfect solution that's going to be permanent forever. And your friend must make great meals too. And at some point you might want to switch it up. And that's that's truly what happens. I, I, I do believe that. But, um, you know, write down, guys, like what you don't enjoy doing, what takes a lot of time. And don't just go watch Netflix for the time that you save, but like actually do something productive, right? So like, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> acquisitions, <laughs> negotiations, like what are some of the things that you, you know, think are like high ticket items that you're like, I can't delegate this stuff. This is strictly you. Like, what are some of those things? So the number one thing is for, for me, it's, uh, well, it's not number one. One of the, it's the creating the content, like your face has to be in those videos, right? So I always allocate um, content creating and then you know, then you can send it off to your social media manager to you know do the editing and all of that stuff but then also like vetting deals and creating those connections so for me I have to have time to be able to connect with people because you know in real estate that's where everything kind of happens right like when you talk to different investors or you talk to future investors. And also for me, it's giving back. Like I love talking to new investors and just, you know, opening their eyes to different strategies that they can use that they didn't even know existed, you know, like as something as simple as like, you know, how to calculate their net worth, things like that. So those are things like I really enjoy doing. Um, And so that's where I like to spend my time. Um, and then, you know, and then with my VAs, I've trained them to, you know, underwrite deals. But then when they send it to me, I go through it again because, you know, we have to go through that due diligence. So those are the things that really you need to do because it requires your unique skill set and but also the things that you enjoy doing. So it's kind of a combination of both. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have to be high ticket items, but they have to be things that you enjoy doing. Therefore, they become high ticket items for you. Um, so I feel like it has to be that combination. And then everything else, really, you, you can delegate. as If it doesn't require your face, you know, uh, and your unique skill set, you can delegate it. Uh, I, I'm sure there is somebody that will love to take over that task. Yeah, absolutely. So, so for, you know, four properties to over 100 units or, or whatnot, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of it came from being able to delegate, but you were able to acquire it and make decisions and negotiate. What What did you end up buying? Are these multifamily properties? Are they in Canada? Yes. Are they out of the country? Like, what What are they? So yes, so um, to get to that number, it, you you kind of need the multifamily. Otherwise, it takes a long time to you know have the single family homes. So a lot of them are the larger multifamily units, and a lot of them are also passive, right? Because I don't have the time to oversee major renovations, but if I can leverage my partners and they're able to do that, then that's great. 
And then we do have um, three condos in Turks and Caicos. And our active partner, uh, Mark Perry, if you guys want to check him out, he's amazing. Uh, and on Instagram, his name is at Palm Tree Life. And that's how we connected because I love the name, right? Because I'm obsessed with palm trees. Nice. And uh, that's how we connected, really. And he is the active partner there. And he's overseeing those three condos. And he's doing an, like, an amazing job. And so that's kind of how I was able to grow is leveraging other people's time, their expertise, and also their location. Because, you know, when you start looking at Turks and Caicos, you're like, oh, my God, it's good. How, how would I buy a property? I don't know anybody there. I don't know how to manage things all the way over there. But then when you connect with someone and they live there and they're super experienced and they know what they're doing, why not leverage their expertise, right? So that's kind of how I did that. I was just able to kind of strategically pick the projects that I want to be a part of, but not nece necessarily have to be hands-on. Mm -hmm. And really, I think that's the key, especially for people who are working nine to five and want to build a real estate portfolio. You don't need to buy all of the properties yourself you can partner with people who would love to partner with you and work full-time on those projects. Yeah, and I will say, like, when you hear somebody having 100 doors plus, I would say 98% of the time, they're doing it with some kind of joint venture or partnership oh, yeah. of some sort, right? Um, yes. Especially okay. especially scaling at that level fast, um, as, as you did as well. Like, you know, myself too, like, once I left my 9-to-5 job, then that's when I started, you know, finding some partners and doing some JVs. You know, prior to that, I, I kind of just did my thing with uh, with my spouse. But, you know, in order to really scale uh, in a shorter amount of time, there might be utilization of like, I mean, it can still be private money. Sure, you could do it with mm -hmm. private money, but like you kind of have to weigh the, the pros and cons. But oftentimes, I think 98% of the time it's either a partnership uh, or it's going to be some kind of joint venture agreement or, you know, you're raising funds in a GPLP structure or something along those lines. Um, so your multifamily properties, uh, are they in Ottawa or are they further out? Uh, most of them are in New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. uh, and then my sister and I, we have a six uh, unit in Edmonton. We were diversifying a little bit. Um, but that one is a pre-construction and we are managing it ourselves with a property manager on site. And that one's going really well. But most of them are on the East Coast. Um, but they're okay. going like they're doing really well, you know. So that's the thing with today's technology. You don't really need to be there and that's one of the things that I find newer investors they really want to be able to drive to go see the properties right and I always say you know with all the resources we have now you really don't need to as long as you have a strong team wherever your property is located you can effectively manage it whether it's yourself or your partner with you know being boots on the ground for sure. but for our Edmonton property my sister and I you know it's through Zoom calls and emails and, you know, videos and it's working 100% fine. So really, I, yeah. that's a message for newer investors. Like, don't, you know, limit yourself to uh, properties that, you know, you're living in or close to, to where you are. Because sometimes people will expand to like, let's say two hours within, you know, their like primary location. But you can go way beyond that. Like, don't limit yourself because of location, find a great team and build your team there. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. 
experience inspire beach resort it is the resort that we have been building and it is ready so if you are looking to host events team building opportunities retreats of your own and just even potentially hang out with your friends or family or colleagues you can rent out a cabin you can rent out the entire resort inspire beach resort it is an adults only it is canada's only themed resort specifically for adults and the themes are really nice they're really upscale like you have like the beach theme you've got a rustic lodge theme and a vintage hollywood and we are adding more every year but there is uh, an awesome space that is on the water to host your retreats your events your business meetings planning meetings all of that good stuff so check that out inspirebeachresorts.com now back to the show yeah, no, great, great insight for sure. So, so is it fair to assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't actually know that you've got an active partner then in New Brunswick, and then you are either in the money partner or you're raising funds for the active partner and coming in on the deal and a percentage of some sort. Is that kind of accurate? Not accurate? Like, how do you, how do you structure them? Because there's like so many ways you can do it, right? Yes, there is. There's, that's the thing. Yeah. And I actually do, um, like all of them. I, I've been a, a partner where I am the, the partner that raises the money and I'm also the one I have a partner where we manage as well like we have a 15 unit and it's my other business partner and myself we manage that um so I'm both I'm both active and passive and I'm I I can also raise capital and I also own properties just on my own and then so I really do a little bit of everything hmm. but it's because I really enjoy it and the reason why I'm passive is so that I can leverage my money to work for me essentially but I like being on the active side because I'm learning at the same time so I feel like you know I get to kind of enjoy like both worlds at this point in my life it's something I'm really enjoying but mm -hmm. maybe later on I may switch just you know to passive investing right if I keep my full-time job maybe the passing is is enough uh, but that's the thing with real estate um, you have to kind of adapt to what your goals are and what your lifestyle is is like right like right I still have young children so I want to spend time with them I don't want to spend all of my time doing real estate because you know I want to be able to enjoy the time I have with them but maybe later on when they're full adults I might go full-time real estate investor you never know <laughs> yeah no for sure and I mean it's it, it, that's the beauty of it like there's so many strategies there's also so many ways that you can slice and dice the the partnerships as well exactly. uh, and you know there's I mean and, it, and it's not like a one size fits all anymore. Like where like you learn one strategy and you do it in the market over and over and over. You actually have to pivot because the market is so ever changing. The rates, the prices, like, you know, the stuff that worked when you started buying in Ottawa likely doesn't work anymore for any cash no. whatever. So there's like, you know, there's ways that we have to now adapt and like strategize and scale. Uh, and, and scaling may be by yourself, but it might be with JVs and it might be with partnerships and it might be with you know, you having different roles. So I, I think that's really cool. Um, I love how you give back to the community as well. So let's talk about Wink. Um, what is Wink and, and why did Wink get started? Yes. Oh my God. I love it. So Wink is, uh, it stands for the Women Investors Network Canada. And it's a community that I co-founded with um, Esther and Aki uh, here in Ottawa. And we created this community because we all felt alone. Like, especially we we met through um, social media during the pandemic and that's kind of how we started connecting and we just felt like we were always like alone in our own circles and we figured other women must feel the same way 
And so we started hosting these meetups and it just kind of grew and grew. And during the pandemic, we decided to take some of those meetups um, online as well because a lot of places were closed. And so we are actually, you know, we have chapters across Canada and uh, we're growing and actually we're looking for a co-host uh, in the BC area. So if anyone is listening and would like to join our community, please like reach out with the word wink. Uh, it's with a C for Canada. And we would love to have you uh, because this community is growing and we just feel like so supportive. Like the, the, the women come together and they, they get to ask each other questions. They don't feel threatened. They feel really comfortable. They don't have to feel like they're crazy, you know, always talking about like money and real estate and investing. And it's a really safe place for people just to, you know, feel like, you know, they can be moms, they can be, you know, entrepreneurs, they can be nine to five, uh, you know, uh, employees and still come together and talk about finances and investing and not have to worry about feeling like, you know, they're an outcast or that they're the only ones who feel this way. And so that's why we created Wink. And it's just such a, it's been such a blessing to connect with everybody, honestly. And like you were our first guest speaker, Sarah. I don't know if you remember. Was I really? Song. I was your first ever? Yes, our first oh, online cool. guest speaker. <laughs> oh, awesome. I love it. Well, I just, I just love what you guys are doing. I mean, like, and it's nice to be, I'll tell you this community in general of real estate investors is so giving of time and help, which is amazing. And it's nice that you're like also like curating it for women and moms and, you know, all that stuff as well. And it's, and it sounds like you guys have like, you've grown like crazy, right? Like, yeah. you know, you started just online, I think in just in Ottawa and now you're like in a lot of different locations, like which, which, yeah. which ones you have um, people well, running the yes, groups so for? We have, um, so definitely, so Ottawa is like the headquarters, and then we have a chapter in Montreal, Halifax, Toronto. Uh, we're gonna be having a, a co-host in um, Hamilton soon. We have one for Kitchener, uh, Waterloo, and uh, Edmonton, Calgary. So really, like it, it's really growing, and we nice. would love one in the the BC area. And uh, maybe even like up north, right? You never know if whoever is interested, uh, please reach out. And then I actually want to share a story. The reason why it's so important for me, especially to help uh, moms, especially single moms, it's because when I was 10, my mom ended up selling her house and because she needed the capital, she needed the money. She didn't, she felt like she had no other choice but to sell her home. And I always think about that moment when like, I'm like, I wish I had been older so I could have told her like, no, don't sell, just refinance, you know, take the money and then do what you need to do with it. Um, but of course, like I was only 10. Uh, so that's kind of like why we do what we do now is I want to educate uh, women so that they have more financial options and feel more financially secure. Because when you have your own home, like for us, after we sold our home, we had to rent for many years and when you rent sometimes what happens is the landlord like you know has to sell the house or they have to do the renovation so really you don't feel like it's your own home mm -hmm. so that's why for me when I have all these units I want to make sure the tenants feel like they're safe and they have quality homes and if we do have to give them like a, a letter we give lots of notice and we provide a really good justification so that's kind of why this whole like community and just the strategy that I use is really important 
because it comes from that story. So I just wanted to share that because it's it's so important, like as my why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is a great great why. Um, and you know, like you said, like if if she was able to refinance and maybe you still have that house to this day. I know it would be worth so much. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find out more about Wink? So Wink, uh, we are on Instagram. So it's at wink.investors. And we also have a Facebook page. You can just type it in. It's the same name. So Women Investors Network Canada. And uh, all the information is there. And if anybody's interested in the membership, the link is in the bio of the Wink IG. Amazing, amazing. All right, cool. So the next part of the podcast um, is our lightning round. So Danielle, I'm going to ask you five questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind and you're going to answer in like 20 seconds or less. Are you ready to play? Okay, I'm ready. And now just a quick pause to hear from the midterm rental tip of the week. Aisha, over to you. Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. Today we will go over the midterm income analysis, seven steps, step four, analyzing additional monthly expenses pertaining to midterm rentals. In the midterm rental strategy, there are several monthly expenses that you as a landlord would be responsible for. Internet, Netflix, utilities, insurance, replenishment items, lawn care, and other miscellaneous costs. For your short-term insurance, you need to ensure you have proper insurance that covers guests staying in your home. For more information on what additional expenses you may need, when looking at the midterm strategy, please contact www.midtermrentalproperties.com. Awesome, guys. Reach out to midtermrentalproperties.com for additional information. Back to the show. All right, here we go. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? Real estate investing book. I actually love Terry Chance tax book. I know I'm such a huge dork, but I read it all the time. It's like right by me and I highlight, I reference it. I tell everybody about it. Actually, it's right here. So I'm not even lying. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. It's so good. You need to know taxes, right? Like, yes, it is. I'm I'm like deathly afraid of like paperwork. (laughs) I like hire as much of it out as I can, Uh, including things that have to do with my taxes. Um, But yes, no, it is definitely important. Uh, number two, this doesn't have to be real estate specific. Um, okay. you have a favorite podcast. Um, so I, I'm biased. I, I'm, it's, it's Erwin Cito's because it's the one that started everything for me. So the truth about real estate investing for Canadians, definitely still my favorite podcast. Okay, cool. What do you do for fun is the number three question. Oh, I do so many things for fun. I love fun things. So I, uh, I'm i taking salsa, bachata, like Latin dance nice. lessons. I lift weights for fun. Um, yeah, like yoga, like just so many things. All right, cool. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, all your assets, your properties, your money, how would you start again? Oh, I, I would go to networking events. Honestly, the most of them are free. You would go there, learn, and I would just start over because now that you've learned the skills and what it takes, I have like 100% confidence in myself that I'm able to recreate everything again, but even faster this time. 
Yeah, absolutely. And final question number five. If somebody has $50,000, they only have 50 grand, but they want to get started in some capacity, how would you recommend they spend their money? So you can actually do a lot with $50,000. So I would split it into five categories. Um, if you're a new investor, I would save $10,000 for like peace of mind money so that you don't have to have like that scarcity mindset when you're trying to build. You, you know you have $10,000 for your like safety net. I would take $10,000 and, uh, you know, invest in myself, find a coach. Um, you know, you don't need to spend $50,000 on a coach. Like ten is more than sufficient. I started with a much lower price bracket. So definitely $10,000 invest in yourself. The other $10,000, I would, um, you know, invest in my health. So something that, you know, gives you like joy, keeps your body moving because you have to be in good shape for you to be able to invest right like it's mm -hmm. it's all linked together and then the other ten thousand, i would um i would do maybe like a small private lending just to get the taste of it right like start off with a small private lending loan and to see how that works and then the other 10 i would do something that either like to give back to the community something to pay it forward so that's how i would break that up okay because you can right. do a lot like fifty thousand is a lot you know you don't have to put it all in one place yeah, no, that's that's probably the first time somebody answered it like that with like splitting into so many different categories. So oh, it's, uh, no, <laughs> it's, it's good. I love it. I love it. I like I, I like it a lot. Um, Danielle, where can my listeners reach out, find out more if they wanted to connect with you? So my website, it's super easy to remember, DanielleUnsworth.com. And I'm very active on Instagram as well. Same thing at Danielle.com. Uh, not .com, sorry, Danielle.Unsworth. And um, yeah, that's where you can find me. And uh, I, I love responding to my DMs. So if you're listening to this podcast, um, you can DM me the word. Usually I find like a fun word. So we could do, I guess, what do we do? Wink, I guess. Just DM me the word wink. And then I'll know that you listen to this podcast. And or, or inspire for Inspire Beach Resort. How about yes, that? I love that. I or, or inspire one. wink. Have, inspire, inspire wink. wink. I love that. Okay, together. let's okay. do it. Inspire a wink. And uh, that's how we will know you listen to this podcast. Awesome. Danielle, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. And uh, thank you for sharing your story and being very open uh, and, and, you know, providing some great value to the listeners. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's, it's an honor to be here, Sarah. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.